0: You know, one of the most exciting things about working with Gun.io is I get to work with some of the most important consumer brands and fitness brands and enterprise brands. And what you find is that they're all looking for the very best talent and they're competing for it. And one thing I tell clients all the time is that, hey, you know, if you can develop um, the mindset to to hire remote freelance engineers, what you're going to find is that it opens up the pool of available talent because... You're not going to have to fight over the same group of FTEs from all the other companies in your space. And so now what we can do is bring you a cohort of people that other companies aren't competing with you against. And it's really a competitive advantage to take stock of that and find some excellent people you can bring on board.
1: This is the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod.
0: Hey, Jason, it's great to have you on, man. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you, Ledge, for having me.
0: Can you just give like a two or three minute background story of your yourself and, and your work so the audience can get to know you a little bit?
1: Sure. So I'm a, a CWNE, which is a certified wireless network expert, which means that, uh, there are only about 300 of us or so in the world as of the moment, so uh, it means I know a ridiculous amount about Wi-Fi. Um, I've been working in the Wi-Fi industry since 2008, so about uh, just almost 11 years now, and uh, I, I did it after getting my MBA, so I have engineering degrees, and, and I worked as a systems engineer for about 10 years uh, in the chipset manufacturing industry. So making the machines that made the computer chips uh, And I went for an MBA at night, finished the MBA and then decided I want to kind of go do something else. So I went to go work for a startup company where that was doing Wi-Fi in apartment buildings and hotels. And they hired me on to run their engineering department. And I arrived the first day and I discover I am the engineering department. Uh, and then, uh, Two weeks into the job, they send me down to Sugar Grove, West Virginia, which if you don't know where that is, it's basically go straight to the middle of nowhere and hang a left. And uh, we had a a mesh network out there. So this was back in 2008 when everything was still single band. Most stuff was still single band. Two, four, we had a mesh network out there um, on the residential portion of a military base uh, where these guys, there was nothing to do out there. So these guys at night were just hardcore gamers. Like, they were just, I mean, you know, it was World of Warcraft and stuff like that in those days. Um, And they were just hardcore gamers. And, of course, you know, it was only a Wi-Fi connection if the Wi-Fi was not working right, right? You know, their their game would screw up. And uh, so it was really a trial by fire getting into this industry um, and getting into this business. But, I mean, well, you know, we got the network working. And and, um, I spent about six years there doing uh, hundreds of wireless deployments in apartment buildings, hotels, student housing, uh, you know, hotspots for right? you, you, name it. So, uh, it was very, very interesting work. And then after that I've, I've started working for, uh, I did some private consulting for a while and, and then I started working for vendors, uh, first Ingenious and now LegoWave. wave. So it, both of whom are manufacturers of, uh, fi access points uh, and related products.
0: So, I mean, you know, we're, we're mostly software engineering folks, you know, here, but I just think like there's just this amazing touch point that what you do, you know, it's like you build the highway, you know, I mean, and IOT now has started, I mean, everything is just Wi-Fi enabled and, you know, it's what do we need to know on the software engineering side that, you know, I think that your expertise brings to the table. It's so much, it's almost like taken for granted, you know, you just expect it to be there but, uh, you know, it, it's not always there. And how can we make fault tolerance and security and all those things built into the software? I mean, that's just really important stuff now.
1: So you're right. I mean, so Wi-Fi is essentially the, you know, the backbone, right? It, it's, it's the support infrastructure that all this stuff runs on. And, and certainly with IoT and everything being in the cloud, And software as a service and, and, you know, networks as a service and pretty much everything as a service now all relies upon Wi-Fi to get that data from whatever devices that you have out in the field, whether they be cameras or or IoT sensors or thermostats or, or, you know, home stuff, you know, back to some server on the Internet, right? All of that requires the Wi-Fi to be working and working well um and especially if you're like you know a hardcore gamer or something like that you know it, it's got to work really fast uh, and have very low latency and you know wi-fi is really useful for that but it's also one of those systems that's easy to mess up if you don't know what you're doing so it's 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 hard to get it right and it's easy to get it wrong and and it, as an industry we've sold everybody on how easy it is to deploy wi-fi right i just go to go to my, my local box store i, I buy some fancy gadget with eight antennas sticking out of it, I plug it in and boom, I got Wi-Fi. And yeah, for really small deployments, that works well. But as you scale up and now, you know, if I'm in an apartment building where everybody's got one of those and they're interfering with each other, you know, I'm going to have a bad day. And then the software systems and IoT systems and all the cloud-based stuff that, that relies on that to be working well is going to have trouble because, you know, your network and your applications and your software only as good as the as the infrastructure that it's running on it's like having a ferrari right and i'm driving it on a you know on a, a pothole ridden road on the back streets of new orleans is like, i'm not going to go very fast not because the car can't go that fast but just because the roads can't support it and, and the same thing is true in wi-fi
0: and on the software side how can um how can engineers build better software you know to to be almost like you know good drivers on, on that highway, right? If you're building that, that base level road, that's the most critical thing. How do I become an an engineer software to be the, you know, this is the best citizen, if you
1: will, on the network. So, you know, the important thing is be careful about how much data, what data you really need to stream versus what you can process locally. And, and obviously that's very different for different applications. Um, but you take video surveillance, which is something that I do quite a lot of. Um, you know, do I do I sh- do I push an uncompressed stream over the network, which is going to suck up a lot of bandwidth, <clears throat> potentially be interfered with, and then if I, I start dropping frames, right, I'm losing video images. Or do I do that compression on the camera, and and then I'm sending you know much smaller pieces of information. Um, so anything that you could do to to get the data, the amount of data down, to get it. To be less real-time critical uh, will make it more robust. And then, from a security standpoint, uh, you know it's amazing to me how many IoT devices and stuff out there are just, you know, have no concept of security whatsoever. Um, and security is one of those defense-in-depth kind of strategies, right? It's the belt and suspenders approach, right? So I, I need security everywhere on my network from that end user IoT smart thermostat to my network to my internet connection and then ultimately to my server where you know I'm processing that information and then relaying it back to customers uh, I need security along that whole chain and people assume oh I'm just using a WPA2 connection so it's encrypted well no it's it's encrypted from along part of your network it's not encrypted along your whole network so you got to be thinking about security holistically, especially in this day and age. And you can see a lot of companies getting in trouble for not doing that.
0: So you talked about, you know, sort of your multidisciplinary approach to you know, education, right? And, uh, you know, multiple engineering degrees and then MBA, like how's that fit together in the world? I mean, why'd you, why'd you do that? You know, you can get paid a lot of money as an engineer yes, and true. you know wh- what, what else was added to your world because of getting a, a business education?
1: So, you know, it helps what I, I mean right now, what I do a lot of is, is sales and marketing. So right now what I'm doing is actually, you know, selling Wi-Fi product and, and working with customers on various projects um, all the way from, hey, I'm doing a private house with, you know, three or four access points to, you know, large, you know, arenas or, or deployments with hundreds and hundreds of access points. So, um uh, I, I found that that you know my background, my degrees are actually in mechanical engineering, which is kind of odd because it's, it has nothing to do with what I do now. But but it taught a method of thinking, and it taught a method of of approaching engineering problems that that most I, I find even most other people in, in this field don't have. And so so that perspective is very holistic. Plus, you know, when you're talking to customers um the business aspects of how much is it going to cost, how long is this going to last, how much support is it going to need, right? So some of these are not necessarily technical questions, um, but are important for the customer to you need to understand how the customer is actually building his business and how he's making money uh, in order to, you know, properly convince the customer that no, this is the right solution. Right. Because it's not just because it's the right technical solution, but because it's also the right business solution and it'll meet your business needs and it'll meet all of the requirements, not just your your technology requirements.
0: And you talked about that engineering mindset that that you maybe bring to the table, that problem solving mindset. I hear that a lot. and I ask, I ask a lot of technical leaders on the software side. You know, how do you evaluate a really great you know, sort of A plus Engineer. And, uh, you know, invariably, of course, everybody wants to know you sort of the table stakes are those technical skills. That's just like expected. But the way to rise above is going to be that problem solving and that communication ability, soft skills. You know, like more and more and more, we're asking engineers to think and act like. Business stakeholders.
1: And, I don't know if and you and see most that. Most engineers in the field. are pretty bad at it, to be honest. I've worked with a lot of engineers over the years. A few of them are good at it. Most of them, you know, most of them are bad at it. We, we tend to think of you have the engineering track and the managerial track, and then the the people in management don't really understand the technology, and the people in technology don't really understand the business side of it, and and that human relations kind of piece of it, because. It's all about building and sustaining relationships. You don't necessarily, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak bad of either my own company or any other company, but I don't necessarily need the the Ferrari. Right. You know, I don't need necessarily the best and the latest and the most expensive, you know, and the most hardcore product for most applications. And so there's a lot of marketing kind of hype out there that, that, Every vendor does. And and it's not just in Wi Fi. I mean, I see that in in software engineering and applications and so forth. Right. And and the job of, of a good engineer is to actually kind of cut through all of that and go, you know what, this is what I need. And maybe, maybe for some applications I need all of those whiz bang, you know, fancy features and so forth. And okay, if I need them, then I have to pay for them. But if I don't need them, then then I'm stuck paying for then I'm if I go with that route, then I'm paying for them anyway. Right? even though I'm shutting them off and not using them, so you know the sign uh, to me, the sign of a good engineer is understanding. You know, don't don't listen to the marketing fluff, but actually understand the, the true requirements with the customer. You know, and what the application really needs, um, and then pick the best solution based on that, not based on oh well, we have a new generation of. Wi-Fi, so I got I to gotta rip out all my old stuff and put it in. Well, maybe you do and maybe you don't. Right? And actually most of the time, you really don't need to. So if
0: I could paraphrase you, it's sort of like right tool for the, the job Absolutely. at hand.
1: Yeah, and, 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 it, and being able, and again, you know, you mentioned those soft skills. It's not just a matter of saying, okay, here are the requirements. Um, it's those soft skills because often Customers don't give you like, you know, it's it's not, you know, like we were taught in engineering school is like, OK, boom, here's here's the problem. Um, often you have to kind of pull that from the customer uh, sometimes over the course of several conversations um, where where the requirements are not clear up front. And as engineers, we like to go, oh, well, this is similar to what I did before. And so I'm just going to fill it in. You know, sometimes that's not correct, and sometimes the customer has a different expectation, and those expectations are are unstated, yet they're still requirements. And so, you need the soft skills in order to be able to to sometimes pull that from the customer because the customer is not thinking in engineering terms. So the customer is not thinking about problem solving. The customer is just thinking, "Hey, I'm talking to you because I need something that does X," right? But in reality, they actually that that X actually maybe consists of like ten different things, and they've only told you one or two. So oftentimes you need to be able to have those soft skills to have those conversations and and actually listen to the customer. My, my boss is a big one on saying, um, basically, you know, spend most of your time listening and very little of your time actually talking that it's more important to listen to the customer and glean in in conversation kind of what they actually need.
0: Yeah. And like, what assumptions are they making that, well, I just, thought it did that you know and um i didn't think i needed to ask you for that thing because that's what they all do right you know and designing solutions is is sort of um i don't know i guess you know sort of medium agnostic right you know it doesn't matter if it's hardware or software or you know even a business process design it comes down to what i'm hearing a lot is you know is the convergence of this product thinking with engineering and you get down to that and it's it's just over and over and over again like customer empathy you know sit in the seat of the user sit in the seat of the customer and you really understand and facilitate them to talk about what they actually need does that i assume that oh, happens yeah, yeah. a lot and, and as a yeah.
1: young engineer i remember as a senior engineer once and so when i was you know fresh out of school and wet behind the ears. I remember in my first job, a a senior engineer saying, you know, we we should make all of you junior guys, um, go, go down to the factory floor and just build tools for six months before you actually start designing anything. And and at the time I thought the guy was just being a curmudgeon. And, And of course, as I've gotten older and more senior, like, I don't know, I've adopted the same curmudgeon attitude because I actually see the value in it now. Um, I didn't necessarily 20 years ago, but I see, I see it today. I I would actually go a step further, which is what you said, which is I'd actually make our engineers use our products. Like I'd make them actually go out and have to deploy stuff, right? And then they'll see, well, how difficult is this thing to install? How difficult is this thing to program? How difficult is it for to use, right? I mean, you know, even in the software world, it's like, okay, I've got an app on my phone, and we all know that some apps are really easy and intuitive to use, and some apps are god awful. Um, I'd make those software engineers actually have to use the app for, for various things. And you know what, they'll, they'll immediately see right away what's wrong with it. And then they'll, they'll go back and they'll make better designs.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, that in our industry, that's known as dog fooding. I don't know, you know, so you (laughs) got to eat your own dog food. food. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Talk to me about, you know, some, I don't know, some war stories or some, some good, you know, sort of interesting learning experiences, you know, rising from the Phoenix of of failure to uh, opportunity. You know, I just think that, those are the places that we can all draw from each other's experience.
1: Oh, so there are several war stories. Some of them are, are, are very entertaining. Uh, that, that wisp that I used to work for years ago, we had a, we had a building in New York city where the, the studios went for like four grand a month. And most of the apartments were like seven or eight grand a month in rent. And you know, the building was full primarily of like 20 and 30 something. So we, we could never figure out how people actually afforded to actually live in this place, one day we found out. <laughs> um, so we had pro- we had problems with with uh, our, our network controller, which was our central router and captive portal. So basically, we had it, w- it was getting too much traffic and it was getting overloaded. We, we ultimately wound up putting in a bigger, beefier server to, to handle the the load because it just couldn't. What we had there just couldn't handle the traffic. Um, and I remember we we got we kept getting complaints from the, this one woman. Um, who was busy screaming at us saying, you got to get the internet working. You got to get the Wi-Fi working because that, that's where I make my living. And if, if the wifi is not working, I can't make money. What did she do? Uh, it turned out that she did performances on second life, um, where clothing was not part of the performance, at least not for very long. um, our knock guys actually wanted to, to, to keep streaming her service to, to monitor her internet connection, but we had to say no. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to run into. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. so,
1: I mean, it, it's, uh, some, of the stuff is just, some of the stuff you run into is just just amazing. But we've had, you know, it's amazing when, you, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, it's, it depends if you're often in you know, B2B right? or business to business or business to consumer. And when you're in business to consumer, like you, sometimes you realize that people are just crazy. Like some people are just nuts. Um, we we had one guy. Uh, we had done an apartment building, and they had left the they had put the APs in the bedrooms. And, and for varying reasons, you actually want to put the APs in the apartments and not in the hallways to get better signal, get it closer to the client, and so forth. So we we had a design where they put the APs in the bedrooms, and and they went and deployed it, but they didn't turn off the LEDs. And the, so typically when you, if you, especially if you're going to put them in bedrooms, you typically will turn off the LEDs so they're not bothering people. And this particular model of access point just had really, really bright blue LEDs. I mean, they were just, I mean, literally when they you know, if you turned off all the lights, they would, they would light up a room. I mean, they were just, just unnecessarily bright. But that was the model that we were using at the time. And that's what we deployed. And of course, like they didn't shut off the LEDs. So we were getting lots of complaints. Um, I remember we, we got a, complaint from one guy who had unplugged this thing because it was in his bedroom and it was keeping him up at night. And then he was calling to say that, that, that his wifi had no service. So we went and look online. Like, yeah, the AP in your, your, your apartment is, is, is not is offline. The guy's like, yeah, I unplugged it because lights were keeping me up at night. It's like, well, if you unplugged it, how do you expect to <laughs> to get wifi? So sure. But you know, as,
0: as like implementers, you know, how do we expect a customer to not want to get sleep. Right. Right, You know, and it comes down to that like game planning and, and laying out like, how's this actually going to be used in, in the real world? Because,
1: you know, it was an understandable mistake because normally in, in most deployments at that time we did not turn off LEDs, but then again, in most deployments we're not putting them in bedrooms. Um, you know, you'd usually, if you're doing an apartment, you would put it in like the main room. Um, to, to, and then you'd have the bedrooms off to the side and then okay if the LEDs were on it wasn't such a big deal because nobody was sleeping in there. Um, this particular deployment, the way the wiring was done and, and so forth they wound up in the bedrooms and, and so it was an understandable mistake on our part but it was you know it was, it was, it was again it was dog fooding right it was like well, you know if you made somebody kind of live in the apartment for a couple of days like you'd immediately see what the problem was and you you'd immediately go in and, and just fix it. So,
0: so all right. So you've been, the, you know, a self-employed. You've been at startups. You've been at, you know, larger firms. You know, just maybe uh, a couple of career nuggets that have been helpful. You know, for our, our professional freelance audience. You know, what, what's going to work for them?
1: Um, you know, I think it's it's important to kind of understand your system end to end. So don't just think about your little piece of it. Um, you know, we, we tend to be because the systems now are so complicated, everybody tends to specialize and, and have their own little piece of the puzzle. But but one of the things that distinguishes a senior engineer and, and even an architect from, uh, you know, from that is I can't just think about my little piece and even if, okay, I'm building a complex system, right. With lots of moving parts and lots of moving pieces, chances are that that's, you know, one piece in a larger you know puzzles. So, I mean, when I was doing, you know, even back when I was doing semiconductor manufacturing, right? We, you know, we built manufacturing, you know, the tools that made the computer chips, and and as the chips got smaller, the tools wound up getting larger and more complicated. So, so each of these systems that we were building were were very very complicated, had very tight tolerances on everything, had very stringent hardware and software requirements, and so forth. And in all all you know, all of these different systems kind of had to to play together nicely as a system. Um, but that whole machine, right, with all of its moving parts and everything that was going on in it, was still just one step in the factory that it was being installed at. And so it it's not just a matter of <coughs> understanding your system, but it's really understanding the context of how your system is going to get used and and what's actually important to the customer and, you know, which features are really essential and which features are nice to have and that is not always obvious and that's not always stated by the customer and sometimes even the customer doesn't know until they start using your product and then all of a sudden they're like trying to do something that nobody thought about so you need to kind of have that flexibility but but i think understanding how your product is going to get used no matter what you're engineering whether it's a software app or an iot device or a wi-fi network you need to understand how it's going to get used
0: Great insights. Jason, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for spending time with us today.
1: Sure. Anytime. So thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.